Hi, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Bobby. Today, I am joined with Sasha Mandel. Sasha is an in entertainer by habit, currently a founding presenter on a new social media app, which is building community around inspiring people to be creative no matter what and to have fun while doing it. And Sasha is joining us today from London. So we are going across the pond for today's episode of Coffee with Bobby. Sasha, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really great. Um, just uh, enjoying the rest as the year comes to an end, uh, taking a few days off. Oh, that is amazing. I know after tomorrow's episode that we've got going on, we're closing up Coffee with Bobby for the year until the beginning of the year and just taking time to rest and you know embrace the holiday season. How has the holidays been for you going into this season? in London? Is it more quiet this year compared to the past? Well, I mean, um, of course, it's going to be a lot more quieter. I think that our government uh, only two days ago um, released a big piece of news. Basically, what happened was is everyone was uh, in lockdown and uh, they were going to open it up for about five days between the 23rd and the 27th to allow families to join together. Uh, unfortunately, at about 4 p.m. on Saturday, um, he made an announcement that the that the southeast of England and London were now in tier four, which is a, a level above they even invented. And, and so there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that will be spending Christmas alone. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a shame, but I think that there are certain uh, kind of, I don't know, sacrifices that, that people need to make uh, in order for this to kind of really blow over. Right, and it's amazing that we have technology like this that we're using today with Zoom and Facebook, even though it's not the same as being in person and having a conversation, but we can make way through the difficult times that we have. So besides the COVID and the new lockdowns and this yeah. sort of new way of life, what else has been happening in your world? So um, in that respect, uh, obviously, you mentioned that I've got a show that I'm developing and that I'm also on a new social media app. So I suppose I'll, I can start with the, the show that I'm currently developing. Um, it's uh, working title is The Creator's Studio um, or On The Mandel Piece. And so what that show is aimed to do is to bring on people who are creators. They have to have created something. So whether it be a piece of music, or profitable business, um, we break down and deconstruct that creation from the moment they had the idea all the way to the moment they start to publicize it. And so what that does, and I'm hoping to do, is inspire others who want to go down that same route, pave their own way and, and create a new frontier for themselves. And that is so key. And I love what you're doing because so many times, as creatives, you're going in this sea of like, which way do I go? I don't know. Should I reach out to this person? They've done it before, but I may be nobody. Are they actually going to give me advice on it? And this is a way where you could say, you know, here are the step-by-steps that this creator took to create this piece of artwork and get it to be profitable or into an art gallery per se. Whereas somebody who's listening can be like, oh, that's some of the basic steps that I may need to look into. 
No, a thousand percent. And already, uh, you know, including myself, I think one of the biggest issues for creators is the hurdle of publication. And I think that that is an interesting area that I'll, I'll be focusing on because, you know, it's really an enjoyable experience to create. Sometimes it isn't, but I think that a lot of people um, are reticent to kind of push their work out and are worried that uh, they might get um, they might get judged, that they might get rejected. Um, and so, yeah, I think I want to bring on people who are not only at the top of their game, but also people who are right in the middle of it so that there's this genuine, authentic conversation of um, I don't know where I'm at with the publication and that actually by using my community, there might be someone watching that will be able to jump in and then answer the questions that my guest has on the show. But that will only happen once I slowly build that community. Right, and you never know how one episode is going to transition and transcend into somebody's life and resonate with them and be like, oh, that's how you do it. I love this. This has like been the transition point in my life. Now I know how to do it. Um, and what sort of got you onto this? Like, why did you want to deconstruct the creative process? So yeah, no, basically I trained at a school called Mount View Academy as an actor. It's one of the top drama schools in the country. And um, basically after leaving drama school, I found it very difficult to find work. Um, and so what I ended up doing is started to try and make my own. Uh, started to create characters on Instagram, kind of alter egos and things like that. But there was a book that kind of completely changed my life and is probably the reason why I'm on this route now about, you know, deconstructing. It's a book called Peak by Eric Anders. And he is the kind of top expert on experts. Um, so what he does is whether you're a violinist or a ballerina, he has spent his kind of whole professional life working out what makes someone a top performer. And so with that book, I then all of a sudden, rather than having a romantic view of creativity, started to develop a more scientific um, kind of perspective. And that is why I, I, I see myself as more of a creative scientist now, rather than, you know, someone romantic and, uh, you know, wanting to kind of be mega famous. I just, I just want to kind of help people deconstruct um, creativity and kind of move that, that frontier forward. And going off of that, I've yeah. never heard those two words put together, a creative scientist. Um, <laughs> I am super creative, yet I actually have a degree in chemistry from oh, the nice. university. And yeah, those two were never in the same sentence ever when I was in school. So I find that super interesting of like, we always see innovation happening in the sciences but you never really put two and two together. And now that you're on the other side of it, coming from the art side and bringing this perspective in, and I'm like, it's so true. There's so much that we can learn under this microscope of like analyzing and what the process is and how do we infuse more creativity in our life. So that's super cool. Um, no, 100%. And um, you know, it's actually, if you look into it, a lot of, top scientists of the age 
had actually a lot of musical experience as well. And that I, you know, I believe it is two sides of the brain. And that actually when you get a good balance of it, that's when you can really be successful. And interesting that you say that. So if people are listening to this and maybe they are super creative, whether they're into the arts or music or just entrepreneurship as a whole, because I feel most of entrepreneurship is like a huge ball of creativity 100%. at different times. Yeah. Um, so if they're like, okay, well, I've got the creative, how do I mix the science? And then on that flip side, if you've got more of the science and you always say, I'm never creative, how do you balance that in life? How do you balance it in life? Um, well, that's always a system that is going to be ongoing. But I suppose the way that I'm trying to develop the show is also to try and work out what is the smallest action one can do in order to move their ball down that road. So for example, if you are someone who feels like they're not creative, which is really um, just you're lying to yourself, we are all inherently creative individuals. And it's just about bringing that inner child back from the depths of your kind of inner psyche. But um, in terms of how do you do that balance is that I like the idea of basically using a scientific approach of having a hypothesis, then using that as a way to kind of create a piece. So for example, if you wanna be a writer, why not try writing a hundred word story? Then that's, that's fairly easy. You could do that probably in 15 to 20 minutes. And then what you can then do is then start to use a uh, very simple uh, A-B testing. So you can say, you know, was this character kind of a, a, a useful one in the story? Should maybe I write another story without them and see which one would be better? And, and basically using um, very scientific principles uh, to kind of develop uh, your creative process. I know coming from the creative background, because I've done photography in the past and marketing and marketing has that science of like A-B testing all the yeah. time. Like, does this work? Does it not? What can we shift? Can we shift a demographic on a digital advertisement? But when you're in that creative space and sometimes it's hard to see that lens of, you know, what works and what doesn't work. You see it, but sometimes I feel that you can be so far into it where you're like, sometimes you see the criticism as being too much criticism. And you're like, no, 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 this is, this is the way I meant it to be. You just don't see it. I think, look, I think it's really important that um, it's again, you're, you're, you're trying to develop that inner child the moment that you create something. So um, as a general rule of thumb, and I learned this from um, uh, Seinfeld, uh, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld and um, mm -hmm. he says that when you create something whether it be a, a skit or a story for stand-up you know really celebrate that and don't share it with anyone for at least 24 hours so that that day you have rewarded that inner child with well done you've created something fantastic and it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad at that point it's just the action of creation and then two, three, four days, even a day later, then go out and be the kind of hardest critic you possibly can, break that, that creation down and try and rebuild it again. And again, do the same thing. Reward yourself for that and don't share it until the end of the day because 
the reality is, is that imagine if you spent three or four hours working on a short story and you, you were really proud of yourself for doing that action, whether it was good or not. And then you then shared it to someone literally an hour later and they didn't give you the reaction that you wanted. Well, what's happened is, is you're not rewarding yourself. You're actually giving yourself a, a slap on the hand for doing something great because then you're like, well, oh, I've just kind of wasted four hours because the, the story is not that great. And then it doesn't give you the impetus to kind of keep going. Um, so it's all about kind of breaking down those barriers of, of kind of repetition. I love that you said like, give yourself 24 hours because I haven't heard that. And I haven't heard that Jerry Seinfeld said that before anything. Um, so that's completely new to me, but it brings so much truth and power to it as if you just let it sit there and you can celebrate those moments, it doesn't have to go viral. It doesn't have to be the greatest work of art, but it's something amazing that you created today. Yeah. And then you present it out to the public or to whoever or onto the internet and then just let it be there. And then I feel at that moment, then you've given yourself a chance to realize that, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to get back up and I'm going to rewrite another 100 to 200 words and see what else develops. A thousand percent. And I think it's, it's just like the stock market, you know, stock compounds over time. So if you're putting a dollar in a day for 50 years, you know, that will accumulate to quite a lot of money. Um, and so it's a bit like that with your creativity. It's like how many days in a row can you write? And it doesn't have to be for four or five hours a day. It could even just be 15 minutes a day, you know? And it's just about that muscle, about building that muscle because the reality is, is that story might not go viral, as you said, but you might write a hundred stories and one of them might be the one that kind of breaks you out and gets you published in a local magazine or whatever that is. And it's just, it's it's a game of, of numbers. It's, it's how much can you produce because the reality is two, 300 years time, everything that uh, you think was important fades away and really the only the greatest art uh, remains. So for example, Mozart of his period, there were probably a lot of other musicians that you have never heard about, but he has somehow through the kind of uh, the ages um, and managed to stay relevant and, and stay afloat. And I think that is literally just about the amount of the matter he produced. He, he started at the age of two, you know, um, and writing, uh, I think, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star at the age of five. And so he started composing music at the age of five. And so, yeah, it's about a game of numbers. And the more content that you produce, the more things that you do, like you said, the probability is higher than if you just do something at once to get your name out there. And I feel, you know, as a creator, sometimes you're like, oh man, this one didn't resonate like I thought it did. And then mm -hmm. another one that you think was like, oh, it's okay, we'll see what happens. And then that one really resonates with people. And honestly, you just never know. So you have to keep creating. And from the non-creative perspective of honing into this creativity, if say somebody is more scientific and you introduce this element of play and they've never allowed themselves to play, do you feel like it's more a mental element to that where they 
feel like they have to always be doing something else and not learning how to play to hone into that creativity? Or do you feel like it's another block in life? I believe that the way that school, most school systems are designed, it, it, it's designed to kind of smash play out of you. And um, I think by the time most people are 18, 20 years old, the idea of playing Lego or, you know, um, just doodling um, in, you know, might be a waste of time. And it's about, you know, doing a job that gives you the money and et cetera, et cetera. And um, I just think it's important to kind of foster that, that, that play within you, because the reality is, is that the more playful you are, the more lateral you can think. And actually, even if you do that within a very corporate setting, you are able to come to very interesting solutions to problems. Because at the end of the day, you can come up with a solution to any problem. You know, it doesn't matter what the solution is. It's more important about how do you get there? And it's about a system creating a really valuable system for yourself so that you know that the solution that you've come to is one that you can trust. That is like preaching to the choir right here. <laughs> I used to teach um, and that was one of the things where I was like, I taught Spanish at the collegiate level part-time. What's collegiate? Uh, what? What, does, what is collegiate level? Oh, at university level. Oh, okay. So it was a mix. So I had actually done my master's in Barcelona. And during yeah. that time I was teaching English to elementary school kids. And then I was surrounded by this element of play, moved back to the US, tried to get into foreign public policy. And it was in the midst of the 2008, 2009 recession. And yeah, there were no jobs, no public policy. And I ended up teaching again for a few years. And I realized this of like, the lack of play is there. And when you open up the opportunity to have this element of play, even if it's learning a new language, there are these barriers that we had to break down. Like, it's okay if you're wrong. It's okay if your creative story is so far out there, but it means that you're in the moment and you're like harnessing this aspect of play. Um, how have you seen the element of creativity and play in your life help you develop new show ideas, new business ideas, and capitalize off of that? So, um, yeah, I mean, I can, I suppose what you're, you're talking about now is the ideation phase, the point where, um, where do all your inspirations come from? And so you can't just get it from your own head. It, it's all about creating and, and, and again, this is something very new to me now, is actually creating even almost a physical space or a space on the internet where you've got this rich uh, cave of inspirations, whether it be uh, a YouTube video or it be a, you know, a type of cloth that you really liked or um, a piece of poetry that really resonated with you. If you kind of accumulate all of this into one place, you can kind of use it as a, a toolbox where you're, you know, throwing ideas and putting them together. And then once you start to do that, you start to um, move through to the elaboration phases when you decide to develop certain ideas. And that is also a really interesting part because as creatives, we have so many ideas. So it's like, 
why why do we pick a certain idea and then why do we go down that route and develop it but it's all about inspiration it's about finding books um plays movies and and, and soaking all of that up painting as well i'm a massive fan of painting um not 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 painting as in myself painting uh, although i'd like to do that once i get more free time but you know for example uh, in london we have the tate which is a fantastic institute for for modern art and for example um when the lockdown eased i was able to go see the andy warhol retrospective and so fine yeah, it, it was fantastic and so what you were able to do is you're able to see his life through his art from the moment he started to the very end. And so what that allows you to do is I came out super, super inspired because I was looking at his process about using um, other people's work and remixing it. And, and, and actually sometimes he would get in real trouble for you know stealing people's prints or things like that. But actually he was almost like a DJ and he remixed culture to then create his own vision, his own voice. So again, you know, you come out of those places bubbling with inspiration. I can totally relate to that. For me, it's sometimes like going outside in nature, just doing something totally different. And it's interesting that you mentioned the Andy Warhol exhibit because I saw a portion of that. Um, I don't know if it's the full thing that you guys mm. currently have in London, but I was actually in LA and the Warhol Museum and Cadillac had a partnership. And that was one of the events oh, wow. I worked. And I worked it for almost a month. And it was so much fun because every day I was immersed in all of this art. And there weren't a lot of people coming in and out. And I was like, what can I play with today? Like, where is my mind going? What colors? All sorts of things like that. No, it, I mean, I, yeah, he, he's a very inspirational person, bit of a strange character, but um, aren't all creatives. <laughs> right. I mean, we all have our quirks. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And um, so you were in LA, did you say? Yes. So um, pre-COVID, I was doing a lot of event marketing and also okay. photography in the past, and I would travel all over the US, it depended on, you know, how long a project was and so forth. So yes, I've spent a lot of time in LA, Texas as well. Chicago is like a second home. Um, so it's been a total transition of how to hone in on that creativity now because the suitcase isn't moving and the suitcase really hasn't moved between, I mean, except for Texas and Indiana for the most part in almost a year. Wow. So you're normally someone that is on the road a lot. Um, and so you're now having to create something in, in a different boundary. You know, your game was you were going around America, whereas now how do you stay creative? How do you stay um, kind of living within the new rules of the game? Yeah, that's interesting. And so how have you how have you adapted yourself uh, to, to the new boundaries? Oh, so I was talking about this earlier today on an Instagram live. Um, one of the big things for me was like learning how to live in one place mm. in the house, like because I've lived in and out of hotels and Airbnbs the whole life, uh, or at least I don't want to say a whole life, but 10 years okay. of doing this, of suitcases always moving. So 
it's been a transition to, you know, clothes are actually going into the closet and, you know, just small things where it makes it more of a commitment that you're actually staying in one place. Um, another big transition has been like back in the kitchen and cooking. And I love to cook, but I never was able to do that on the road. And even if I was staying at an Airbnb, it was like, well, you know, I'm only in the city for four days. So what's the point in buying like a whole staple kitchen for four days? Um, so honing in on the creativity, definitely in the kitchen, finding a new routine and learning how to mix up that routine too, to bring in the creativity. So not every day feels like Groundhog Day. And that's been a huge one for me. Yeah, because otherwise you can get a bit stale, can't you? Um, I have that trouble. I, I, I tend to give myself a rule and then forget that the rules can be changed. Um, and so end up, you know, getting stale after two, three months and going, right. I, can change, I can change this, you know? Um, but um, yeah, it's always a, a learning uh, curve, isn't it? Definitely. But I feel like it's been at due time. So with that transition has come Coffee with Bobby show and meeting new people and becoming creative in this aspect. And just like I told you before the show, like I created a studio out of a bedroom today. Um, whereas most of the time it's in the kitchen and it's more pleasing to the eyes. So it's just adapting to the times, creating in a new sense. And, you know, like I said, like switching up the routine the past couple of weeks, I've been waking up at 4.15 in the morning to wow. meet my brother at the gym at five. Wow. You know, and like before I would be like, oh, what time is sunrise? I'm going to get up and watch sunrise, have a cup of coffee, relax, like see what the day holds. But then I totally flipped it and I was like, okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. What, what time do you go to bed? Oh, super early, like earlier than old people will go to bed. So um, you get how many hours sleep roughly? So normally when I have the 4.15 a.m. wake up calls lately, it's been like in bed by 9, 9.30. Nice, okay, it's about eight hours or so. Yeah, so I try to still get the eight hours and I've noticed like since I've been doing this for a couple of weeks now, like on the weekends it adjusts of course. And I feel like sleeping in is now like six in the morning which still seems <laughs> is totally weird to people. And they're like, yeah. you slept in until six? Like, I'm not even out of bed yet. Um, but it just gives you a new perspective on the day. And yeah. then also I've noticed energy level consistently go up, even yeah. though days are feeling shorter since we're into winter. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I read a great book uh, called Why We Sleep. I don't know if you've heard of it by Matthew Ward. No, I haven't. Um, and it's interesting because it sounds like your circadian rhythm is suited to waking up early, whereas there are some people. And so there are some people that really push themselves to wake up that that time. And actually, they're giving, you know, they're doing themselves damage and that actually uh, there are, you know, the night owls, so to speak, and that they are most creative. They are most alive, actually working through the night and being able to sleep through the morning. But you you sound like you're a morning person. Yeah, I've always been a morning person, but I totally understand, you know, when you go through the circadian rhythms and the science behind that and figuring yeah. out, you know, what works best for you. Because I have friends who will stay up 
you know, all night trying to get stuff done. Whereas if I try that by one or two, I'm falling asleep at the table, you know, and it's like, well, that didn't work out. I should have gone to bed hours ago. No, 100%. I think that you're touching on the idea of kind of overworking as well. And I think that um, a lot of people, I think, I think we're hopefully getting away from it. But certainly over the last five years, I think that there was this, um, this culture of hustle porn of kind of um, how hard can you work? How, you know, I work 18 hours a day. And actually, um, you know, I've now after about three years of consistently burning out every three months and really causing a lot of damage to myself, have started this year uh, a process of trying to, to heal that, that, that really negative routine and actually push back and um, do less work than I, than I think I should be doing. Because there are some people that need a kick uh, you know, in the right direction. Right. And there are some people that need to be like, you need to calm down and, and actually you'll do better work if you if you do less. And have you noticed since you've backed off of that a little bit that you are completing better work and more progress? I think, first of all, most importantly, I feel like generally I have a happier day. My, my days are happier. They're, they're less over uh, overtired and stressed. Um, and so, yeah, I, I believe that the work that I'm producing is a little bit more um, thought out. And um, it, it's basically, it's better to, to walk in the right direction than it is to run in the wrong one. So I'd rather really spend a lot more time working out, are these the most valuable actions towards my overall goal? Spend more time thinking about that and then do the work, then just trying to do as much as I possibly can. I can totally relate to you on this hustle mentality. Like yeah. I've had it for years in the past of like, I've got this, I've got this on my mind. I'm going to do it. I have another job. I'm doing that. But then in the moment I get back to the hotel, I'm working on this. And it's this never ending cycle where you do feel like you reach this level of burnout. You're like, why do I want to get back up and do this again? And even on the event side, like it was solid 70 plus hour work weeks and we would do it for three plus months on end, anywhere from three to seven months. And you go from like being super hard for the six, seven months out of the year and then you're just ready for a break. So then you like go back down to zero and try to find that balance again, which in my opinion, I never found it because you were always like, well, okay, well, it's slower now. Like maybe I can pick up some freelance event or I can do this instead. And then, and then other days I would be at home creating or playing with paints or, you know, XYZ DIY project that I had going on. And it was just this weird flow that made sense at the time. Mm. But when you look back, you're like, why did I ever do this to myself, you know? No, 100%. And I think that um, we as human beings work best in project-based. So a little bit like an athlete, you'll train and you'll perform and then you rest. And I think that a lot of the issues of burnout is that if you're just consistently doing it, 
with no rest at all. Um, so for example, I imagine, I don't know, I can only guess, I'll ask you, is at the end of the project, your brain, I imagine, is still whirring pretty fast and that you're actually worried about resting and you're like, what's the next thing? Because I need to go to the next thing immediately rather than being like, you know what? It's a project base. I can afford to take a month off. I'm going to really rest and read and write and draw and paint and really kind of use that as a kind of um, a reward for, for working so hard for that three to seven months or whatever. And I think that that is the key to longevity is that that rest. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel too, like in those moments, it was always like, you know, that there was a slow season going to come and you didn't want to be caught not working without it being the slow season, if that made sense. So you're yeah. like, well, I got to make up for it because when the slow season sits, then it's really going to be slow. Like, why can I rest now? And that's why last year, and summer of 2019, it was the hardest, I don't want to say the hardest transition because I've gone through a lot more since then, um, especially with COVID and changing jobs and trajectories. But we took a six month sabbatical from the event industry at the highest point of the season. And that was a huge turning point in my brain that like, you don't have to keep going you can still afford to have rest, you can enjoy, you can travel. And at the time I told myself like, okay, but if a good project comes in, then we can take it, right? Um, but honestly, there was only like a couple weekends that we worked that whole entire time and it was complete bliss. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I can't agree with you more. I think that, um, like I said to you, every three months I would burn out and I would literally have, now I know what they are, migraines. I would, in, I would induce migraines and have basically two weeks where I would be lying on the sofa and no thoughts going through my head. I would just be, you know, brain dead and I wouldn't be able to think or anything like that. And so now I've got to a position where one of the biggest things that I tried to do over the last three months is create a non-religious Sabbath, uh, Shabbat, so I'm I'm mm -hmm. I'm Jewish. I grew up Jewish, but I'm not a religious uh, person. But um, if you look at religion as a kind of uh, platform or a, a company, um, you know, for for thousands of years, um, the Jewish people have taken a Sabbath on Friday night through to uh, Saturday night. And so what I decided to do was, no matter what, no matter how much work I had, I would from Friday night through to Saturday night, do no work and rest. And so what that allowed me to do is one day out of six, completely rest. And you know, the first three weeks, I ended up finding myself working and had to stop mm -hmm. myself <laughs> and had to stop myself on that Saturday. Um, but, um, you know, it's been now three, it's been now four months since my last burnout. And so rather than at the end of the year um, coming to it absolutely exhausted, I actually, I've got two weeks off now, but I don't feel completely knackered. I actually feel like this is going to be a great two weeks. It will help me rest further, but I'm really looking forward to the idea of, of not having those burnouts again and really taking my time. And 
by far that makes a huge, huge difference, not only in creative process, but you know, health in general, both mental and physical health. Like when you hit those burnouts, like you said, you were getting migraines, you couldn't work and deciding, you know, one day out of the week, I can rest and allowing yourself to have that rest. And so many of us in the States are in this mentality of, I got to keep going and going because it's going to run out. And at the end of the day, there is plenty for everybody. There is room at the table and it's not going to run out if you take 24 hours and just let your mind be free and your body rest. Yeah. Connect with friends, family, uh, connect with something that you've always wanted to do that isn't work. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really valuable thing. And uh, I think hopefully I will kind of use it for the rest of my life. By far. So what are some of the things that you are working on now? You dabbled into the show. Are you going mm -hmm. to go full force into it here as we come into 2021? What's that sort of look like for you? So what I did was I'm a massive fan of a, a man called Jack Conte. And he's the CEO of Patreon. I think you might may have heard okay. of it. Um, do, have you heard of Patreon? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, fantastic uh, place where artists can find patrons uh, to basically give them a monthly uh, fee, whether it be $2 a month. But if you've got, you know, 100 people giving you $2, you know, that's $200 a month. Um, but basically he he has a YouTube channel where he helps to teach people um, be a bit more business-minded in, in a creative space. So what he taught me was to do an annual plan. And so I created an annual plan in October. And one of the main things I want to do is although I love being creative and being an idiot and a clown and, you know, jumping around, <laughs> that, that, that's not paying the bills. And so the last three years I've developed a certain unique set of skills, uh, which al will allow me, I hope, to get and find myself a role in the content creation and social media management. So I'd love to find this, this next year, uh, I'd love to find a job where I can inherently be creative every single day. So then when, I, when it comes to doing the show, I'll have done this every day for someone else so that it just comes quicker and quicker and quicker. Because um, right now I'm working, uh, I'm on the phones, I'm a salesman by trade. Um, okay. But, but that, that, that doesn't give me uh, any creative, um, it doesn't give me any creative outlet. And so what I'd love to do is use my salesman skills, you know, being able to sell something is a very valuable thing. And by combining that with my content creation and my social media management skills, tell someone else's story and build communities for them. So what, what I'm hoping to do in the first quarter is to apply to at least 30 jobs um, in that space. I want to produce three episodes of the show um, and, and by the end of the year, 12. And so that, mm -hmm. that, at that point, I'll have iterated it to a point where I go, okay, what does it look like? You know, will I have created a comedy sketch, um, you know, at the beginning like of the show rather than just having the interview and creating a, a kind of a, a chat show element to it. I don't know where it will take me, but uh, those are the two main things. In terms of networking as well, that was a really big thing. Meeting people like yourself, try and uh, have something like this once a month and, and try and basically build up my, my network 
um, by having you know authentic and real lovely conversations like this. And that is amazing. I know without a doubt, you'll find the right role in content creation as brands as a whole are going all in on it. And they need people like yourselves to be like, ooh, this is bright, this is bubbly. I can sell this in a new light and offer more value to the consumers and people who are watching and take light to your brands. Um, and an added benefit to that is, you know, with everybody working from home and working remotely now, now there's not as many issues. I mean, we still have the sponsorship issues, you know, between yeah. UK, EU, and US, but I feel there's also more of a chance to do international work at this time as well. A thousand percent. I mean, it's an exciting time, I think, that we're becoming a global society. Um, and so you're completely right. I, I look forward to the idea of potentially having an employer not in, in the UK. Maybe it, it will be in America, you know, you never, you just never know now. And I think that the opportunity um, is, is out there. Uh, although there is a lot of job loss, unfortunately, I do think that there is a lot of job creation. I think for the first time, you know, myself being an actor, creator, there's actually more roles, or, or I believe there's roles for where we can actually just be the front of a brand and actually sell every day and be performing for that company, you know? And I think that there are new creative roles being invented year after year. And I think it's a very exciting time for creative people. Very exciting. Oh, hands down. And what you just described is the role that I had last year with a brand here in the, in the US. And I was the face of them for Instagram. I was traveling on the road for event marketing um, with Mrs. Myers Clean Day. And I was doing digital content creation for Instagram on the road. And yeah, we would do Instagram stories. I would create the feed. I'd help create, you know, the storyline of what was going to happen with the multiple agencies on board and beyond calls. And I, it was funny because my boyfriend and I, we were both working together and I'd be going out and I'm like, okay, it's an off day, but I still have to shoot photos and create content. So we're going to go to this botanical garden because the company is centered around gardens and flowers. And I've got a backpack of soap, but we're still going to have fun while doing it. And that was like the nonstop joke of like, okay, how many bottles of soap can you fit into your backpack today? Of like, oh, is this one the right color today? Is that one? And, and it was a super fun role because I had never been in an event where I was allowed that creativity to intersect. And seeing where it did play out, it was one of those things where I was like, it finally, the two things that I loved meshed together. And then over time, it's transitioned into, you know, right now into the motivational speaking and being creative with that as a whole as well. Question so for you, you as- So in yeah. that respect, because this is, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm very interested in, in to try and glean from your experiences. So you've now basically developed a certain set of skills by selling for that company through Instagram, and you're basically using content creation to drive sales. Was that right? 
Yes and no. So it was to like they were doing an event marketing tour for three months across the US and we would go city to city. So it was to one, try to reach more people in those cities to physically see the brand at a festival. And then two, it became also a game as well because I became one of the faces of the brands. And then people would find me on at different cities and they're like, oh, that's the Mrs. Myers girl. And, <laughs> you know, it was something fun and lighthearted and I could have fun with the role. And it got to a point where at different points, I was like embodying this role because I loved to be outdoors and I loved, you know, flowers and gardening. And it was just things that I had grown up with and intersecting those two, especially when you take like a brand so focused on what you would think of as like gardens and, you know, country life. And then mm. you pop into a city like Chicago and then you have fun with it. Like I even got photos of, you know, the soap and um, on a helicopter ride, you know, like different things that people want to tie together of like, oh, this is a new way to see the city. This is a new way that the brand is connecting to the city. So in that respect, would you then pitch this idea to the company and then they would be able to give you some resources to be able to be in the helicopter and do some content for that? Well, the helicopter was sort of like my idea. I had always wanted to do it in Chicago. And since it was sort of like my second home, so it's two and a half, three hour drive from mm. where I'm at in Indianapolis. And I would always be up there for work. We did a lot of things in Chicago as a kid. And I was like, I really want to do a helicopter ride. I 100% want to do it. It's been on the bucket list. I want to take photos in it. And this is when I was doing photography all the time. And it was just never the right time. It turned out, I think we were in Kansas and one of the Chicago helicopter companies did a $99 flash sale uh, for tickets. And it was even before my boyfriend and I were dating. And I just asked him, he was on the road with me and I was like, okay, um, I'm doing this helicopter ride when we go to Chicago. Do you want a ticket? I'm buying it. And he was like, are you crazy? Like I just met you a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like I need somebody to help me create content. Like I'm going to buy your ticket. And he was like, oh, okay, sure. I've never done a helicopter ride. Like didn't think anything like I was actually going to buy the ticket, bought the ticket. Um, we ended up taking the helicopter ride on our off day in Chicago. I ended up creating content for both the brand and myself. And it was just a super, super fun experience to be able to do. Nice. So yeah, it was about brand awareness then in the end, um, in terms of what, what, what you were hoping to achieve with, with being a content creator and social media manager. Right, so brand awareness, which ended up driving more sales at the end of the day. But for you, as you're looking for these roles, are yeah. you like trying to create content per se for a specific brand to get noticed? So one of the ideas that I've had is to just do a couple of minute video, uh, a video that lasts for a couple of minutes on LinkedIn. And mm -hmm. um, basically 
you know, be super honest and be like, I'm in sales now and I really want to move into this space. So for example, today I just posted just before we went on, just a little video about how I've, I've reworked my CV today. I spent a couple of hours reworking my CV and hopefully that will mean that I can get maybe some more hits and more interviews and then being super honest about that. And then I had this idea that um, having a show that when I do come across a job application of a specific company that I really love, is again, jump on for a couple of minutes like this, you know, film it very basically, but just literally mm. talk about what I would do for their company. So for example, um, if it was an animation studio, for example, um, that needs uh, to build their community and, and hopefully drive more sales, is that I would have an Instagram live show where I come on and I interview um, members of the company. And so then what happens is that the company has a bit more of an authentic face to it. And then they can then uh, drive engagement because people want to see maybe some of their most famous animators. You could then get some interviews with those guys. And so what, what I would do is then create basically an interview format for them and then finish the video. So that hopefully if I keep doing that, then someone will come across my account and be like, well, he's just literally just giving ideas out for free, you know, and then, and actually like, oh, wow, all of these ideas he's giving out are actually really good, really specific. And so hopefully, I, I don't know, it's again, it's a hypothesis that I just want to execute on. So I'll do it for three months and see how, how that gets on with me. I will say this, the yes, free please. work- Any advice would be great. Yeah, free work is always, gotten me to a point where I got into the room with the people that I needed to get in the room with. Maybe it wasn't for the same brands that I had in mind at the beginning, whether it's like in your case, giving them free content creation advice, like, hey guys, this is what I would do for your brand today. Like, here's a snippet, like you can take it if you want and run with it yourself, but I guarantee you it's not gonna be the same as if you had me on board. Um, other brands will take notice, even if that one doesn't. And I, yeah. I don't know if you follow Rico Incarnati on Instagram no. or not, but he is a videographer and he okay. has been big on doing this lately. And he's been trying to get one of the smaller grocery chains here in the US, Trader Joe's to do like hire him for content creation and videos. And if you watch some of his simple videos on like how to toast a bagel, you'd be like, I'm watching it on loop. Cause I'm like, this is amazing, Rico. Like you've not enticed me to like, I don't even eat bread. Like I'm gluten-free and I want to go make a bagel right now. But things like that, where the brand's will notice and will take notice and other competing brands will as well no i yeah i thank you for that i'll have a look at this uh, this person when you uh, when we finish this but yeah i mean like you said i mean it's about providing extreme value and um you know again it's just try to keep it as simple as possible and just basically just throw my ideas out there into the universe and then hopefully someone will just see that the way my mind works is a useful thing for their company. And that is so key. And it's going to resonate with more and more people the more you keep putting it out there, Sasha. As we begin to wrap up here, I know we're coming really? close on oh, it. Oh, quick. It's gone quick. I know, coming close on an <laughs> hour here. 
Um, what has been one of the biggest blessings for you this year? One of the biggest blessings would be my my last burnout, I would call that my biggest blessing, because when you when life slaps you in the face, it allows you to recalibrate. And um, yeah, I, I do try and believe that uh, that sometimes things at the time are negative, that actually they are the the as Matthew McConaughey would say, the green light. Um, that uh, kind of allows you to keep going forward. So yeah, that would be my biggest blessing. How about well, yours? That What's is your biggest blessing? my biggest blessing this year has been one spending tons of time with family, and we split time between Texas this year and Indiana um, with both sides of our family, and we have never been able to spend this much time with family yeah. over the past 10 years. So wow. that's been by far one of the biggest blessings, especially when you think of like suitcase always moving and you're missing birthday parties wow. and you're missing family dinners and you're missing conversations at home or with my grandparents, you know, yeah. with anybody or spending time with nieces and nephews. And that's definitely been one of the biggest blessings this year. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's great. I'm glad to be able to have family around. And I know there are some of us um, going through this time alone. And I know that's a huge mental struggle as well when you're not able to see family. No. Um, Sasha, Sasha, where can we find more info out about you? What are your social media handles? Uh, so it's simply at Sasha Mandel. Uh, that's S-A-C-H-A-M-A-N-D-E-L. I'm mostly uh, posting on Instagram, but LinkedIn as well is going to be my new place. And um, yeah, really excited uh, to connect with you guys if, if you do want to uh, have a chat with me. Wonderful. Well, I will make sure to put links to Sasha's Instagram and LinkedIn to connect with him on wherever you are listening or watching to watching this podcast show at today, you will find all of the links below. Sasha, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom on creativity and just harnessing that power of creativity throughout our life, no matter what role we are in. I thank you so much for coming on. And for everybody who is watching this today, I hope you have learned something valuable to one, do something creative today. And two, if you are feeling overworked and it's coming up on the holidays, take a day and just rest. It will not stop the world from going around. Um, thank you so much for tuning in today. And this is another episode of Coffee with Bobby and Sasha Mandel. Take care. See you later. Bye.